Hey there, uh, Cave Comedy Radio fans. Um, you're about to listen to, uh, sex and other human activities. Um, my name is Bunky Houseman, and, um, I wrote in and, uh, got some advice from Jackie Marcus, and at first I thought it was great, and then, um, I fucking lost everything. Um, so if you could, uh, just know that their advice is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah, yeah I lost my family, I lost my house. And, um, I lost my career, uh, which was hard to do. I was a professional gambler. I thought that would be a thing that they could help me do, and they did. Um, so if you have any questions or advice you need, just make sure you email cavecomingradio at gmail.com, ask for Marcus or Jackie, and, um, or maybe just say hello to Henry from last podcast on the list, because he needs, he needs your, your attention. He needs your affection. Um, so thank you, and enjoy sex and other human activities. And if you would have been just, if you would have still been looking for a place right now, you would be in fucking I'd be an animal. You'd be in shambles. Yeah. Did you animal get... shambles. <laughs> I like that. Animal shambles. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Sex and Other Human Activities. My name is Marcus Parks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. And Jackie, you had one hell of a little uh, incident on the bus today. Man, I just get so mad so fast. Especially fucking creepus in the city. And it was like, it was just on my way here. I was on the bus and uh, I, I was sitting there and a guy comes in. With, like, a walker and a bunch of magazines. Definitely looked homeless. And by the way, the bus in New York City is the worst place to be in the city. It's just... And usually I'm fine with it, because usually I ride the bus during the day. It's, like, at night when you don't want to be on the bus, mm-hmm. definitely. But it's, like, it's it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't care, you know, I'm just taking the fucking bus. Old guy. He sits in front of me, and it's just staring at me the entire time. It's like 20 minutes of me sitting there trying to not. I'm just like, he's just staring at me, but I can like hear him licking his lips while he's staring at me. And I was like, getting... Ugh. And I could hear it. And I was just getting so mad. I was just... With every passing second. And then finally I looked at him. I just met him like a dead... I stare because I feel like that's also a good thing. It's like an animal tactic. It's like, all right, you want to stare at me? I'll fucking stare at you. You want to fucking have a staring contest? And then I, since I was so mad, I was like, do you have a fucking problem? Can I help you with something? (laughs) How old was this guy? He's probably in his 60s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it was like, uh, uh, I was like, don't look at me anymore. Look somewhere else. And he just, like, shook his head of, like, no, I don't have a problem, and then, like, looked away, but I could tell he was still looking at me out of the corner of his eye, so I just fucking got off the bus. And as I was walking off the bus, he goes, bye, pretty lady. And then I felt really bad. (laughs) And Because it's, like... Not that I'm saying that that gives him the right to stare at me, but it's like, A, I got really mad over someone that was, uh, like, I didn't, I wasn't looking at to see if he was, you know, mentally handicapped at all. Mm. I was just pissed off that he was fucking staring at me, and I wanted to deal with the problem just to show it's like, I'm not a nice girl, don't stare at me. I don't think it's like, oh, he's staring at me. It's like, don't fucking stare at me. Not just that, it's moments like that where you feel like you're fighting against the city. 
Yes. Like, you're not fighting against that guy. That guy is just representative of all the bullshit that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis living in New York City. And especially it's like when you work in a customer service-based job the way I do. Oh, yeah. Which I can't talk to customers that way, but I can talk to a stranger that way. (laughs) And I just can't keep my mouth shut sometimes like that was mean even if he was just a creepy dude was that mean am i like is that i feel like if he was just a creepy dude i don't think that's mean at all yeah and obviously he wasn't phased by it no (laughs) he wasn't (laughs) that's the thing is that if he still said did he say it in that tone yeah not phased whatsoever yeah and i mean even when i asked him if he had a fucking problem the way he shook his head i should have gotten it from that like he definitely shook his head and like like hurriedly back and forth of like no 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 Uh, and he might as well have said that out loud and then i just i felt really bad it's like I know I talk a lot of shit of how I feel about people, especially mm. like on the round table and stuff like that. But in reality, I am a nice person. In reality, you're one of the nicest people <laughs> I know. And I even like anger, it's like things like that. It's like, yeah, no, that's kind of bitchy. But then like he couldn't help it. He was yeah. just staring. That's the problem with dealing with mentally ill people here in New York City because you they are a huge on just a surface level, a huge nuisance. Yes. I mean, to just like your day-to-day commute, your just day-to-day living, like the mentally ill in New York City can be an extreme nuisance to everyone involved. But you feel bad. Like you feel feel terrible about it, but it's also one of those things where you're just trying to get through your day. And it's so hard in a city like this to have compassion for every person you see and to have patience with every person you see, uh, especially when they're screaming yelling, bothering you, or possibly being dangerous, or in your case, just kind of creeping you out. Just creeping me out. Making you feel uncomfortable. But at the same time, it's like you're also, it's like when I deal with those people, for the most part, I stay quiet just because if I'm alone, it's like, Jackie, can you get into a fight? Can you do this? (laughs) Because I will mouth off that way, but then... There are other times when I'm so scared to mouth off, which is a good thing, Mm. because I'm also mentally ill. And, you know, a normal person, if they stared at them, wouldn't say something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's also that. It's like, I'm also bringing the mentally ill to the table here. You know, I'm a different kind. Yeah, yeah. But I I, I also bring it to the table that I don't have patience. I mean, we're definitely bringing degrees of severity into this. Like, yes, we're both mentally ill, but are the severity of our mental illness is pretty low compared to a guy licking his lips and staring at someone on the bus and not knowing that it's wrong. Yes. That is definitely a a big difference there. But if I wasn't on, like, if I were to go full on, like, rocket ship, then it's possible that I could be a crazy person in the streets. Right. Right. I mean, that's the, the, I have, I do believe that I have the capacity to just completely fall off the face of the earth, to fall off of uh, society's precipice into a guy just being fucking nutso on the train. You know, if I didn't have the the support system that I have, and if I completely just said, fuck, I'm not taking my medication anymore, I could see myself ended up at the bottom, like at the very bottom rungs of society. And that, when I see people on the train that are going nuts in that way, it's kind of sobering. At least for right. me, like it's kind of sad. I think I've told this story on uh, on the show before, but a long time ago, I was waiting for the train one day uh, back when I lived in uh, in Bushwick, and it's like nine o'clock in the morning, and this fucking I mean, this guy 
obviously fucking crazy. He's talking to himself. He's just fucking out of his mind. And he suddenly stops. And he has this lucid moment. He's standing right next to me. He stops and he looks at me and he said, do you think I should take my schizophrenia medication? Whoa. And, and, and I go like, absolutely. I think that's the best thing you could possibly do. And he goes, thank you. Thank you. And then goes right back to being crazy Whoa. again. It was just this weird, uh, but it doesn't, uh, that's not something that truly scares me, schizophrenia in itself, but just that being that person who you kind of know you're crazy. And you know that there's something going on. And every once in a while, you'll have a break. And I could only imagine those moments are terrifying. The I, I'd imagine those moments are almost more terrifying. Well, it's like looking down and realizing that, like, you're, like, the sidewalk isn't there anymore. Yeah. Is basically what that is, you know? It, it, you realize that you are, you have no control over yourself whatsoever, and then you try to reach out to someone. And that's what, I mean, that's definitely what we preach on here. It's that, like, it's like if you realize you have a problem and it's finding people to help yeah. whether it's a therapist or family or someone to talk to because exactly it's the support and then that's why when you look at a lot of homeless people here too and the people that we have to battle every day and like not just here but in ev- everywhere every major city in the united states a lot of it a lot of homeless comes from families that didn't want to deal with them anymore mm-hmm. or people that didn't have any families that they could turn to or friends they could turn to or or anyone they could turn to and so what happens? Society just kind of pushes them out. Yeah. But then they're still there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I mean. They're still fucking human fucking beings. Yeah. And I think that, I, like in talking to Amber Nelson, I think she was talking about this on Roundtable, that like, I think the best thing for you to do, especially when encountered with someone that is, has no floor under them anymore, that ha- like that has nothing to live for, that the, the crazy people that you see often, is looking them in the eye. And talking to them like they're a human being. Yeah. No, sir, I don't have any money. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Rather than pretending like they don't exist. Because people that feel like they don't exist then have no moral structure of how to base, have how to deal with people. You That's know? an amazing point. And I think that, like, not that, especially, like, maybe not, not all the listeners that we're talking to, or but you've known someone that, like, if they didn't have money or they didn't have the way to get medication it's like they'd be on the street mm-hmm. i live with someone like that i've talked to her about her on the cast before that if she didn't have a rich family that pays for everything for her because she can't have a, she can't hold it down a job she doesn't think there's anything wrong with her so she doesn't she's not on any medication she keeps hurting herself if she didn't have that she would be on the street or dead yes it's very possible that she would be dead by now i mean her her recklessness and her and the, uh, I mean, once again, I mean, using the word severity, her se- the severity of her mental illness is among the worst that I've ever seen. Uh, it's dangerous. Also terrifying because she doesn't realize that there's a problem. She doesn't realize it, and she's been told her entire life and that there is no problem. And we've talked to her, too. Problem. Exactly. And it's like people think, it's like, if you are especially dealing with someone that doesn't want to think that they have anything wrong with them, it's really hard to convince them. Yeah. And sometimes, and especially when she has the people that are closest to her, her parents telling her that there's nothing wrong because her parents don't want to accept the fact that there is something wrong. 
And I think that happens again with a lot of mentally ill people. And we've gotten so many, I mean, dozens of letters from people saying that they've tried to reach out to family members and the family members just saying like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just feeling sorry for yourself or uh, just, you know, you're you're just being a pussy right now. And these are people with very real problems. You know, it's like just fucking man up. Uh, and this is that is the worst thing that you can do. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I think I have a problem. I think I have something going on. Fucking talk to them. If you can't handle it, try to find someone who can. Try to find them a counselor. Try to find them a therapist. Try to find another friend that they have that maybe you don't know. Like, I've done that before where someone has uh, approached me, someone that I don't really know very well because, I mean, this has been something throughout my life. People approach me with the weirdest shit they'll open up to me automatically i don't know what it is how the first time it happened i was in high school this girl was giving me a ride home from a party and she just opened up to me about how her father molests her you know at the time i I mean i was 16 17 you don't know what to do i didn't i didn't do anything i mean i i didn't report to the police I didn't tell anyone really she just needed someone to talk to though at the same time too when you're 16 or 17 it's like she was still under his house. Yeah. So it's like what, I mean. This is small town Texas. Like that shit is a different world. It's a completely different world. You and know, he probably I, couldn't have done anything. But it, but once you get out of the house, then you can. Yeah. And how, because not, I'm seeing when you're speaking to a peer, if you can go to a teacher, if you can talk to someone that can actually do something, because exactly what were you going to do? You know, it's like you would destroy her life. Yeah. Yeah, that she I just would, needed someone to talk to. Yeah, she just. I mean, sometimes the best thing to do is is just if listen. you're that young. If you're that young, yes. yeah, the best thing to do is just to listen and don't try to take matters into your own hands because it will not work. Uh, convince that person to go to talk to somebody who <coughs> will be able to make change, like you said, a teacher or uh, hell, if they can go to the police and report this person directly, encourage them to do that. Uh, encourage them to go and make a change in their life um but if you have somebody who's you don't know very well uh and you don't really know what to do and they confide in you for whatever reason um you know maybe try to get a hold of one of their friends and don't you know and i wouldn't say don't tell tales out of school don't say like hey she told me this 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 and this just say like hey i think there's something going on with so and so maybe you should try talking to her. Yeah. You know, may, I don't know if you've noticed it as well, but I think there's something going on and she might need someone to talk to. So you might want to try, you know, opening up to her. You might want to try to see him what's going on. Yeah. So do it. These things are so delicate uh, and they have to be done with great subtlety uh, because if you just fucking throw it out there with no uh, care, then it's probably going to blow up in your face. It's probably not going to work out the way that it needs to work out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really? And you know what? I'll say that what we've been talking about, it it goes perfectly into uh, our letter. It totally does. So let's read it. 
Uh, Dear Jackie and Marcus, oh, and by the way, if you have any questions whatsoever, email us at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. And I want to give a quick shout out to Kevin from Chicago. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I hope this is one of the podcasts you listen to. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Number one fan, Kevin from Chicago. If you got anything you want to ask us, you just fucking, you just tell us. Kevin's super fan. Whole week's dedicated to him. It's all for you, Kevin. All for you. All right. Dear Jackie and Marcus, I am a longtime listener of the show way back to episode one, but I've not had a reason to email the show until now. The past couple of episodes, you've spoke a lot about bipolar disorder, and I think my girlfriend might have this. The only problem is I don't know how to bring up the topic without her thinking that I think she's crazy, as she puts it. We've been together two and a half years, and throughout our whole relationship, she has been prone to having extreme moods from amazing happiness to anger and sometimes violent, not towards me, within minutes. She has confessed to me that something is not quite right and that once she has these thoughts, it takes a long time for them to go away. She often suffers from loneliness and wants me around constantly or she starts crying because nobody is there for her. During the last three years, she has all but lost most of her friends through petty arguments, which she refuses to let go until she gets angry and hostile towards them and they walk away from her. I want to help her, but I don't know how unless she helps herself. Any advice would be amazing. Keep up the good work, guys. Diesel from the UK. Well, thanks so much for writing in, Diesel. Thank you. We have been talking about bipolar disorder a lot lately. I mean, it's definitely something, it weirdly, I feel like it's, I mean, it's a newer conversation topic. I don't know, I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, that it's not something that has been diagnosed for a long time, at least not correctly. And I feel like that's why a lot of things are, are coming to light about it now. I grew up in the home of a bipolar mother mm-hmm. but if, which I've talked about it before is that my grandmother was she's severely bipolar and also narcissistic but it was never allowed to be spoken of in that generation of and my mother in the same, 60s exact same thing with my grandmother yeah and it's so it's like she was kept in a room and was the worst mm-hmm. she was just an animal to deal with especially someone that's not allowed to say that they have something wrong with them Cuts to my mother, who definitely has episodes, but she is medicated. Mm -hmm. And it's taken years of therapy for her to deal with it. You know, between that and, like, comes hand in hand of, like, manic depressive. Uh, I mean, it's definitely, like, a big mesh in our family, unfortunately. And in dealing with it, the number one thing is communication. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you said that you were like, I also understand coming from a place of being, you know, having some troubles as well, that I do feel that. And it took years for Doug and I to be able to, for him to talk to me and me not be defensive about it. Yeah. Doug would be your boyfriend. Exactly. So that, that like, I understand where you're coming from, where like, I was just like, don't call me crazy. Just stop calling me crazy because it is, that's a defensive thing to say. Yeah. And it's honestly, when you feel like you're in a corner and you know that you are wrong, you, like, not that you're wrong, but that you, you need to deal with it in a different way, that's the best defense. It was like, I'm not crazy, mm-hmm. no matter how you say it. So definitely trying to hone your approach and how to talk to her is key, which I'm so glad that you wrote to us about this. Yeah, it will be deflected. Yes. Anytime you when you start to talk to her about like, hey, maybe something is going on. Maybe you should get some help. She will immediately deflect it right back on you and say, "Why do you think I'm crazy?" She will make it pers- She will make it about you, like that this is your problem and not also, my problem. This exactly. Is you. And also, that's the thing: is you saying you, 
you have a problem. What's wrong with you? Why do you feel this way? Even why do you feel this way? Which you would think it's that's not it. It's coming from a way of when you do these things, it makes me feel this way. Mm -hmm. And when I see you act in this way, I get worried. Mm -hmm. And, And like it's saying everything like explaining what she's doing and then saying how you feel about it. I mean, she should definitely, like, if there's a way, like, after you guys can start this conversation going, because I feel like if it's more about the both of you mm-hmm. rather than just her being the problem, yeah, then that will definitely open the communication between the two of you. I think that's a, a very, very good point. And I think one of the things that you're going to have to be very, very careful about is her feeling like... Uh, her feeling unloved. Right. Her feeling like you don't love her the way she is. Uh, that is something that uh, I've run into before uh, where someone has told me that they had a problem with me and I'm just like, well, that's just the way I am. That's just who I am. Like, why why can't you accept me for who I am? Why can't you just love me for everything that I am? And that's one of the, uh, I think, big fallacies that people with mental illness sometimes suffer from uh, is that we don't love the illness. Like, the love illness the does not define you. Like, there's a reason why you've been with this woman for so long. It's because you obviously love her. And you've obviously got a lot of feelings for this woman. Uh, and it's obviously the good times that you love. And you've also been with her through the bad times as well. That's fucking hard to do. It's very, very hard uh, to be with a person uh, who is dealing with their mental illness. Well, who... Pe- well, actually, no. Someone who's not dealing with their mental not illness. Not dealing with it. That's somebody, key. Somebody who is completely oblivious to what's going on. And you mentioned about your grandmother is that bipolar disorder and narcissism go hand in hand. Because they think they're right. Yeah. They oh. don't have a, you know, like. I mean, I'll say we think we're yes. right. <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, you know, we think that uh, that what we're doing is of is the best thing that any human has ever done. Why doesn't everyone act like this? Why hasn't why is this not written down in the book of laws that everyone should think like I do, that everyone should act like I do during the manic phases. But that's exactly where like the problem in lies especially with narcissism of like trying to get them to realize that it's like when you don't have any friends anymore, it's not all your friends that were wrong. Like it can't be all of your friends. Mm-hmm. That were wrong. There's something that I heard recently that I fucking loved uh, that has been going through my mind a lot in the last few months is uh, if it smells like shit everywhere you go, it's time to check your own shoe. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, li- <laughs> I like that a lot. I, I like that a lot. You know, if, if it's if people everywhere are or if if you're constantly having problems with people and you're constantly in conflict with people. And you can't, and you're just always blaming everyone else. It's like, why? Why is everyone treating me like this? Why uh, is life this hard? It's you should probably check yourself. It's yeah. Like she needs to check herself, and she's not doing that. Uh, and another thing with bipolar people that you got to understand uh, is that we live in our own little world. We're in our own isolated little environment that we built for ourselves. Uh, and 
that's you know of course that's where the narcissism comes from is because we feel it's a very isolating uh disease it's a very or not disease disorder it's a very isolating disorder because it's very hard to connect with people or if you do connect with people it's on a very shallow level well and that's the thing too is i feel like a lot of the problem with beginning communication with someone that's bipolar it's like you're living in a tent and someone is outside the tent with a knife poking holes in the tent trying to get at you rather than seeing it as like an open door to communicate Mm -hmm. and then and you obviously really love her I, i don't know how you feel about this marcus but i feel like a great way because i mean at the end of the day she needs to talk to someone Oh yeah. She definitely needs to talk about it. And, and, and not not in a way, you know, it's like she's not wrong. She just needs to figure out what her triggers are. Even yeah. if she doesn't want to go on medication, which we always, I mean, it depends on the case. Mm-hmm. Find out what the triggers are. Find out why you feel that way. Talk about it. But maybe you could start with couples therapy. Rather than pointing the finger at her, it's like, I worry about you. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I feel. And I would like to talk about things together with someone. And you know, you live in England. So you have anyone who lives in England has no excuse for getting for not getting mental help. It's free. It's completely and totally free for everyone. God. <laughs> Man, how how yeah. is that not a universal thing? I I mean, I know we bring it up often. I yeah. just I just don't understand. It's one of the most important things that a society can do, I think, is to take care of the mental health of its citizens. I think even more than physical health, taking care of the mental health of citizens. I mean, it, it, is, it can be scary to think that a government could be in charge of what goes on in your brain. Uh, but I mean, that's me being. Yeah, but a big it's still an yes, though. But, that's yeah. a conspiracy theorist thing. You have the option to go yes. and seek help. Yes, the option to have. You are the still option. a human being, Marcus. <laughs> just to have the. Uh, I mean, that's just my like. Just every once in a while, I'll have that crazy paranoid shit that I used to have. Like, just kind of eke in a little bit, yeah. and I have to go like, no, 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 um, positive, yeah, positive, posi- positive. Also, inside thoughts. Yes, don't say those out loud. Just keep those inside. Don't say anything. Uh, but in England, you have the option to uh, get mental health. She has the option to get mental health. And I know in England, the stigma uh, against getting help is huge. Like the uh, people uh, like getting any kind of mental help in, uh, in England, it's looked down upon. Uh, it's very much looked down upon. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. And I'm sure shit like that just is, I mean, as... You know, as she's just so much against you. Uh, well, she's when she reacts so much to you saying anything about her mental health, saying like, "I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy." Uh, then I think that's that's a societal thing in England, uh, where if you get any kind of mental help, then you're all of a sudden you're you're sectioned, you're uh, completely crazy, insane. Uh, but she can get mental help anytime she wants and my god i would kill for this yes i would fucking murder to have free mental health care uh whenever i wanted it 
that would be fantastic. Um, anyone... That's why I don't see a therapist, even though I really need one. Yeah. I mean, if I had the time, I would definitely, you know, it's like there are places to go. I'm not an yeah. extreme case. Yeah. If I was an extreme case, I would. De- there are definitely places for you to go. There are plenty of places here in New York City to, to go. I mean, it's a huge pain in the ass and extremely time-consuming. Uh, but there are still places in, in the city you can go. But in America, the closest we get to free mental health uh, help, a lot of times it's, you know, you're dealing with grad students at the local college. Right. Uh, so you're pretty much training. You know, it's like also here in New York, if you need cheap dental care, you go to NYU <laughs> so the students can practice on you. <laughs> it's terrifying. terrifying. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's absolutely terrifying. Uh, what we have to go through in America to get the simplest health care. But in England, you have that. And I don't want you to make, you know, you shouldn't make the starving children in Africa argument. uh, Like, you know, it's like, eat all your food. Uh, But you should definitely let her know how lucky she is to have all of this help. Uh, And if she's, you know, driven all of her friends away, it's going to be a hard, hard conversation, and it's going to be filled with screaming, and it's going to be filled. I mean, she'll probably leave. But keeping and, your patience is key. Yes. And honestly, also. And stand your ground. Oh, yeah. And another thing that uh, I've definitely utilized when I have episodes uh, in my relationship, because in the past I would push him away or scream at him and not want to talk about it is that he asks me questions mm-hmm. and like even if I scream the answers at him I answer him of just like why do you feel this way like what like but like not but he doesn't say it in in a mean way mm-hmm. it's just like so what what made you feel this way yep how what can we do to fix it what like how like like explain to me exactly how you feel in your own words mm-hmm. and it's like i know that sounds like like therapist boyfriend but you know what it helps it does and it makes it not so threatening of that he wants to especially again with people being bipolar or manic you're asking what they think about it mm-hmm. they you want like you want them to explain how they feel which no one asks us. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's a big part of the problem is that like rather than being like pushing us away and being like, you're crazy, mm-hmm. it's being interested and saying, I care about you and I want to know why you're feeling this way. Like whatever triggered it or like you, I think that putting it into her own words when she gets angry or she gets violent or when she starts talking about, it's like how no one is there for her, which I definitely have those moments as well when I, I think that no one is there for me. And then it's going through as if, uh, you know, saying it like this, it sounds like you're talking to a child, but uh, he says, do you want to call Henry? Yeah. Do you want to call Marcus? Do you want to? And he talks about the people that we know and of like, it's like we can, he's like, do you want to talk to someone that will understand mm-hmm. it better? Because he, you you can find someone. Hopefully it's a therapist that you can call. But we, like, as I don't have that, he's really helped facilitate my communication when I get to those places that in the past I was not able to communicate because I was violent. Yeah. I've, I've definitely pushed him up against walls. I break things. I get violent. And I haven't had a violent episode in about two or three years. Fantastic. And it's because of that. But it took a while for me to trust him when I get to those places. And he just 
took it. Mm-hmm. Not like I was not being violent at him. Not that at that point. Like not in the communication stages. It's like it took me a while to let him in, and now it it, it very rarely gets to that point because I know that I can trust him. It takes enormous amounts of patience on the on the on your part. On your part, yeah. It's gonna <laughs> I take mean, it really enormous, does. Like it's going to take an enormous amount of patience on your part uh, to get through this, and you're. Just remember, right now, you're at the beginning. Like, this is where it begins. This is when things are going to start changing. Uh, but, man, when you get to the other side, oh, I can live to tell the tale. Jesus Christ. Jackie and Doug, the happiest fucking couple I know. And it's it's been work. Yeah. I mean, a lot of ups and downs. You've definitely, guys, you've heard the stories before. But, like, it works. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I mean, you guys are, are proof positive that this shit can work, that you can't, people can and do get through it, but it takes a lot of patience, a lot of love, and a lot of trust. tolerance. Yeah, trust. I was going to say, I was going to say tolerance for screaming. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, definitely but, that too. Yeah, definitely that. But yeah, a, a ton of trust on her part. And you are right that you can only take her so far before she has to start helping herself she and and this is like you can help her and if she doesn't take it and she shuts you out you either keep trying or man like at the end of the day you can't force someone to smell the shit at the bottom of their shoe (laughs) no you know what i mean like you cannot force someone you can definitely Support them and aid them and try your best. But also, if this doesn't work over the long run, it's not your fault either. No, it's not. And you have to remember that too. That that a lot of this stuff, that at least hopefully she doesn't take it out on you. I know you said not violently, but in other ways of like, unfortunately, the disorder shines through. And a lot of things are said that are not meant. And that's where the patience comes in as well. Uh, You know, and... It's hard yeah, to not lose your patience. But just remember, though, that this isn't your fault either. No. And be careful because sometimes when you're in crazy-ass relationships like this, if you're talking to her and you're trying to get through all this stuff and nothing's working, sometimes people will do drastic shit. And by drastic shit, I mean proposing. Or, yes, yes. Things like that. People will do that. They think, well, if we get married, then everything will be better. Or if we have a kid, then everything will be better. She'll calm down. Uh, And it's only that's only going to end in disaster. It's going to make it so much worse. It's going to be so bad. So don't do anything drastic. If you try and you're at the end of your rope and it doesn't work and she's not responding, then you got to move on. Yeah, you just you if she you cannot spend your life being I mean, and I'm sure that you've had a fair amount of abuse. I'm sure that you've gone through a fair amount of abuse uh, throughout the time that you've been with her, Um, which is so terrible, too, because I feel like there's such a huge stigma against males being emotionally abused in relationships. Yeah. And it is. Just as big of a problem it's very, as females being emotionally and physically abused as well. It is very, it's fucking awful. It's the worst. 
uh, being anyone out there who's been emotionally abused, it is the fucking worst. I mean, it might not be as bad as, you know, getting your, uh, you know, fucking eye socket broken open by a dude, but it's, uh, it's pretty fucking bad. Uh, and you've got to think about at some point you do have to think about, uh, whether it's going to work out or not and whether she's going to come out the other side, but, but it seems like she's open to it, man. Like she knows she's ready. She is like when she says that, like she starts talking about that, like she can tell that things aren't right. It's a cry, man. Like she needs you. She needs your help. She's absolutely ready for it. So I, I don't think that this is going to like, you know. Just be positive and yeah. be and stand your ground. And I think you can fucking do this, man. And you know what? Doug saved my life. I will agree with that. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Completely. And, which is a hard thing to admit. Yeah. But she's ready. You just you can't do it for her, but you can help her. You can show her the way. And that's all you can do. All right. Well, it's a short one, but I think we packed quite a bit into this episode. Yeah, I'm all teary-eyed, so I think that means <laughs> I need a cigarette. All right, well, if uh, <laughs> once again, if you have any questions, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com is uh, how you get a hold of us. So uh, have a fucking great week, guys. Man, hell yeah. I'll talk to you next week.